Hello and welcome to episode three of Football Revisited. We're back up to full strength today with the return of Rob, who joins myself, Butts and Sims. Um, so we'll just start by discussing the talking points that arose from the weekend's Prem action. One of the main talking points for me isn't necessarily one game in particular, but it's just VAR in general and the refereeing decisions. Um, so we'll start with Liverpool versus West Ham, where Liverpool went top of the Premier League, winning 2-1. There's two decisions I wanted to discuss in that game. I'll start by one that's kind of gone under the radar, um, which was Mane foul on Ogbonna Fabianski with Yorta's disallowed goal, which at the time would have made it 2-1. Um, I watched that with Butts and Rob, I think, on Xbox, to me, and yeah. none of us were entirely convinced. Having watched it any more, is there any any opinions changed? Uh, I, I don't feel so harshly about it. Obviously, we went on to get the winner, but like it's one of the it's one of the decisions where you can clearly see why they've kind of gone against it. It looks uh, a lot like it looks a lot worse than it than it actually is. Um, but like when you when you slow everything down, you know both of them missed the ball. So yeah. well, what's yeah? I I kind of agree. It's a it's one of them grey area fouls in football where. You you can see it from both sides, and yeah, I think the referee was never going to overturn that one. Um, but the referee actually didn't give the foul. The referee did, gave the did goal. overturn it. Yeah, yeah, the ref overturned well, it. I'm then. sure we'll discuss this. This is the problem when they say go to the monitor. They're assuming that something's happened, so he looks in and goes, mm, "Okay, do I really want to be the first one to not overturn a decision by going to the side monitor?" And I can I can see why he's gone. Oh, okay, I'll just disallow this because it's an easy cop out for him. Um, but yeah, it's just it's one of them. I didn't really think it was a foul, but you can see why he's given. Sims, what were your thoughts on that one? Yeah, no, I, I I do agree. I think I think he, I think they're very lucky to be honest that Liverpool go on and win. Yeah, because if Liverpool this... go on and win, then that becomes a big talking point because yeah. I mean it's a few weeks in a row now where there's been something. Um, with VAR in Liverpool games, especially. I mean, I mean, I'm a Liverpool fan, but so I am a bit biased. But I think, I think for the ref, who's quite fortunate, Liverpool went on to win. Um, but I do think with this one, once you look back, you think, well, I can understand, I can see the rationale behind not allowing the goal, where a few of the other decisions we've seen, yeah. I don't think there's any excuse. At least with this one, you can understand why they've come to that decision. And although I personally think there's probably more of an argument that Ogborna fouls Manny, yeah, I think you 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 look at that and you think, well, all right, I understand why they come to it. It's just like you can put it down to like a, a footballing decision. Yeah, yeah. And for me, what? yeah, for me, watching it live with you two, when it was live, I think we all said, oh, that's a foul. And then mm. once we saw replay, we went, oh, actually, it's not a foul. And then we thought the ref may stick to his on-field decision because it didn't look a foul in the replays. That's yeah. kind of what I don't understand is how the ref has watched it live, not given a foul. There's not enough in the replays to go, that is a clear mistake. Because VR is only meant to be used for clear and obvious areas or serious missed incidents. Hmm. That doesn't yeah. come into either of those for me. And that's my problem with it is, when do we use VR? And I don't think even the Prem refs know the answer to that one. Just on that incident, on its own, isn't it? Yeah. I, what I... 
The problem I do have with it was, to be completely honest, I think everyone thought the foul was on Fabianski. Yeah, so I did at first. We were all watching the replays. We're all thinking, oh, is, you know, is he going to give us a foul on, Fabian- on Fabianski? And it turns out they weren't even looking at the keeper. <laughs> they were looking at the defender. Yeah. yeah. So I think that in, a, in itself shows how muddled the decision it was that, to be honest, at home, we didn't even have a clue what they were looking at. We thought they were looking at someone else. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I can swallow it because I can see contact. Like I think you just said, Sims. You can. There's an understanding as to how they've come to that conclusion. My confusion is around why it went that far. Why it's gone to VR without being a hundred percent clear. That's where the muddles, uh, the waters are muddled for me. In just when do we go to VR? Well, um, what, sorry. Uh, but what summed it up perfectly was referee went over to the monitor, two two clips, and just goes, "Oh, right, I can make my decision." Yeah. Like, the, what, what, what is the use of a VAR official taking up five minutes of time, reviewing a clip about 40 times, not coming to a decision, calling the ref over and the ref's there five seconds, just goes, well, yes, it's clear. <laughs> and yeah. On top of that, one thing I've never understood, the VAR looks about six different camera angles and they were the ref. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're not only just giving him, like, you're not only having two looks at it, he's only looking at it from one angle. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But it should be so clear and obvious. They only need one angle, but that's never the case, is it? Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Different angles yeah. show different things, don't they? Yeah. Um. But yeah, moving on because out of all the decisions I've got on the list, that's probably the the one that doesn't matter um, because of Yota's winner a bit later. Uh, but from the same game, the Salah penalty that's had a lot of kind of fallout. Um. Mm. And again, I was watching that with you two, and at the time, or Robin Sim, uh, Robin Butts, you both said penalty. Yep. I was in agreement. Any, any, anything changed? I've watched it again, and I know Sims is going to say some stuff. Um, but yeah, for me, it's 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 an obvious penalty. It's, it's one of them that if he stays up, everyone's going. Why didn't you go down? He's clearly kicked you. Go down, get the penalty. And I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. More players should go down when they get kicked. I think days of, the days have gone where, oh, fair play to him staying on his feet. Oh, he's such a sportsman, all this. It's, those days are gone. Just go down. If you get kicked, go down. So, yeah, it's a penalty for me. It, it makes me think back to, you know when we played Arsenal and we got a penalty when David Luiz pulled Salah's shirt? Yeah. Salah obviously didn't go down, but the ref saw it. I'm like, what's the difference between that incident and seeing another incident where the player doesn't go down? Yeah, if there's like, is there a need for the player to go down? But yes. if you think back to that yeah. one, um, I think Anthony Taylor was left for that one, if I remember right, and he had some criticism for giving that penalty, even though it was a clear foul, clearly impeded Salah, Salah's hitting mm. his feet. But I think that there's always going to be that. You, you see that against... ten times in a game in the middle of the field. Yeah, I difference. think there's always an argument against if a player stays up. So I think to avoid any shred of doubt, players go go down. Don't blame players for that in general. Um, but it's, it's that grey grey area of when is it going down on contact and when is it anticipating the contact. And I think that's yeah. a lot of players we're going to discuss today. Play very close that line and sometimes right. edgy the side. Yeah. Um, Sims, uh, you weren't happy with match of the day. Are we, are we going into it now, we? Unless there's something you want to add for the penalty, no, we'll go into that. If we are going in, then I'll go all in on it. <laughs> go all in. Go no, on. honestly, I, I, the problem I've had with this this time especially more than any other time, because there's nothing new 
So I remember when DJ Drogba was in in England. I mean, yes, he went down easily, but DJ Drogba came in for far more criticism than some of the English players, especially. Like, I've seen Steven Gerrard go down very easily in the box, and nobody talks about it. Frank Lampard burst into the box last minute, would get a little nudge, and he falls over. And he goes, oh, he's made the run. He's been brave getting into the box, and then he's earned the foul. And yet, Mo Salah apparently now is, oh, he won't that out of it. David Moyes came out. His, his interview, I couldn't believe his interview. He came out and said after the game, oh, you know, do we want to see that in our football? See what? Yeah. See what? The left-back kicking the player's foot. What? I don't understand. What on earth can he be moaning about? There's clear contact. All right, Salah's gone down theatrical, but as, as you just pointed out, what's he going to do? Stand up and go, oh, ref, he kicked me. Yeah. <laughs> because VAR won't give it. True. And then the, the, when I'm watching match of the day and I've got Danny Murphy telling me on my screen, oh, you just, you know, we don't want to see that in our game. And the problem i got then is Harry Kane the next day is doing the exact same. And it's not the first time. And I can use Harry Kane, but I can use Sterling, Sterling. Jamie Vardy is the best example. How many times did Jamie Vardy leave his trailing leg behind, catches you, hits the deck, penalty, and they say, oh, he's really clever there. He's got himself between the ball and the player, made him make a decision, and it's a stonewall pen. Yeah. Callum Wilson as well the next day. Callum Wilson, he's, he's another one, does it? But yeah, if it's a foreign player, and I think the problem I've had more than anything is the how sin, it's, be, it's become more than just oh, we don't want to know game. It, it's like, well, why Why them? Why yeah. are you saying it, it's bad for them to do it? But we're, we're saying that the English players and the, the British players, Gareth Bale used to do it. Yeah. yeah. Well, anytime you notice commentators, pundits talk about driving, they still talk about Robert Perez. This was 16 years yeah. ago he played. Surely is a new <laughs> example of someone who dived. No, we'll go, I agree, go to the foreign... Prime example, Robert Perez was the Drogba, was the Salah, is now just that face of diving. And they just. I think what, what disappointed me more, what angered me more than anything, is the tone of it. Because mm. it's one thing to be saying, oh, I don't think that is a pen. But then to make out as if, like, that he's actually conned the ref, or yeah. that, you know, you're practically saying he's cheating, but yet you're not calling out everyone else on cheating. And it's so, and it's like, it's not even. Like, Gary Nicker, I mean, it's not even settled. It's yeah. in a match of the day. I remember watching it last year, and Harry Kane was like, I think the defender's elbow came back. It literally hardly touched his face. He'd gone down, and they given a pet. And I just use Harry Kane, because he's the yeah. one that comes to my mind. It, there's plenty of other examples. There's well, for Liverpool have done it. Do you know, um, last week, I think last year, Jack Grealish was the most foul player in the Premier League. And... He goes down easy, but there's never talk diving. The player before Grealish who had that title was Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard was labelled as serial diver, always going down when he shouldn't. And him and Grealish are essentially the same player in terms of slight, agile. Go down easy, but they do get caught. And that's why I don't get is that's such a blatant... Um, difference of how they are both treated despite them both yeah. being foul, co- constantly foul players because they do go down easy, because they're always in the action, but Grealish is labelled as a clever attacking player Hazard, brilliant but then has that tag of being a bit of a cheat playing close to the line and again, 
my my favourite line they use these days, and this is the one they use when it's an English player. Oh, he's he's expecting the contact to come. So he's jumping over it. Yeah. I, I honestly, if I I can swear, if a player from Montevideo, who's the twenty one, you know, has just joined the Premier League, does that, we are saying, oh no, that's a dive, that is. But because this person from Toxeth in Liverpool, or because they're from West Derby, oh no, they just been they've embraced, they've seen the contact come in, they tried lunging out, they haven't tried con in the ref. Half the time, Martin Tyler says, oh, Salah's gone down easily. He's not asking for a pen. He's just asking for a corner. Yeah. And the amount of time, like, I've seen more Salah being headlocked in the box, he's not getting a pen. This idea that he goes down easily and gets pens all the time, all the best. And when he does that, when he does get headlocked, like you say, or those proper tackles on him, Martin Tyler and other commentators as well, are the first to go, oh, he's not getting that because he went down easy two weeks ago. They're using that as a reason why he's not getting blatant penalties given against him. And you, yes, something's not right. You build the narrative up enough, and that's what gets me so sinister because you build this narrative up in the media. Referees aren't, they're not aliens, they live on the same planet we do. We do. It's very hard then to not go into games thinking, oh, he's gone down a bit theatrical there, oh, I won't give that. It, because you, know, you build this, you paint a picture. Of something enough, people will start buying into that picture. Even even unconsciously, they will. They're not trying to go into it. No ref goes into the game thinking, "Oh, if he goes down, I'm not giving anything today." But when you have that split second decision, you are more likely to err on the side of, mm, "Well, he did go down easily. Everyone thought he yeah. went down easily last week." I cannot believe there's even a debate on Saturday's one. <laughs> there be plenty of times where there was a debate. Saturday's one was about it was such an obvious penalty. Yeah. I totally agree. Awful by Masraku kicks to the back of them. Masraku even stopped and put his hands up before the whistle even went, which is rule 101. That's when you know it's a pen. And Moyes is using that as an excuse of saying, oh, you only did that because it was such a bad dive. That's you what want to know if it's a pen or not. Just look at how much they asked the ref about it. There's no yeah. West Ham player who said more than two words to the ref. Players know. Players yeah. know when, a pl- when it's a real dive and players know. The reason players get so angry normally, I say I couldn't believe that Luke Eglin went yesterday. If I was if I was Leicester player, I'd be going mental at him. How he doesn't book him as well, I'll never know. Yeah, totally agree. Um, can you name the top three divers? So what that is is since 2015, the top three players who have actually been booked for diving. There's a surprise name on this list, and this fits the what we're trying to say now about British players going under the radar for the diving. There's a player who I can't... No. So... um, Hazard, isn't it? No. So, Wilf is number one. Wilf Zaha has had four yellow cards since 2015 for diving. Uh, And there's another player who is his teammate, Wilf's teammate. Townsend. Townsend. No, this is the surprise name on there. So, I think we better come back to this one last. Um, A Spurs player. Lamella. Yeah. Delhi. No. Delhi. Delhi Ali. He's got three. And then this Crystal Palace player. Luke, uh, no. Benteke. No, it's James MacArthur. Oh. He's got three yellow cards for diving since 2015. That's gone under three. On this podcast. <laughs> that was a surprise name for me. I've always said the refs are really good on British players diving. 
But no, it does fit because obviously they're not the go-to names people mention when speaking about divers. They do mention your Salas, Mane's. Um, so anything else you want to cover on the Liverpool-West Ham game? I think we've covered in, well, the decisions in detail. Good win for Liverpool. West Ham lost, but they've done well. Good start of the not, season. Not Phillips, great debut. Yeah. I said uh, a few weeks ago about West Ham's run of games saying Moyes will be gone now and... <laughs> There they are, prove me wrong, doing well. Nah, like we, we've just watched Liverpool beat uh, Atalanta 5 0. And like Sims was saying earlier, a uh, bit of a statement win when you consider where with a Fabinho, Thiago, Verge. You know, we can be positive. We can be very positive after that win. Agreed. Um, very good. Um, talking, uh, going from positives to negatives, back to ref decisions. And. Uh, We've done our team, so that's it's time for your team. Oh. So there was a few incidents in the uh, Spurs-Brighton game. Um, first was Kane winning the penalty from the perceived foul by Lalana, which Kane then went on to score. Um, there's been a lot of debate and footage now has been found of Kane doing that exact thing, I think, on two separate occasions, yeah. um, where he kind of sees play coming back into him mm. and buys it. Lineker saying he bought that one. What are your thoughts on that one, but uh, when I watched the highlights, I thought it was a foul. And you can debate if it's inside. By the Lana, I thought, okay. and I thought, yeah, okay. And I have seen Kane do that, where he does go down quite easily when he gets backed into. But then I watched, uh, I saw a clip of Match of the Day and Peter Coach talking about it, and then they showed it slowed down of him looking over his shoulder twice. And then, then you go in a bit. Hmm. Okay, but again, you're in this grey area. Oh, I don't know. It's has he has he done well to win it? Has he, you know, as the lad? Because in the, when it's I look at again, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, if anything, it is a foul. <laughs> Sims right now is brilliant. That whole time I just got in on one year, left the other. Honestly, I'm going to say I'm watching Match of the Day again. And <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's my player. If you let me finish, then I'll get to my point. But after I've watched that Match of the Day, um, I now think that, yeah, it's probably a foul by Kane. Because I'm thinking, if that happened in rugby, where a player's in the air and gets taken out in the air, that's a red card, and he's off. What Kane's done is much more dangerous yeah, cause than what Lallana's done. Purpose. Yeah. So, yeah, I yeah, I think they need to watch out for stuff like that. But again, refs are under so much pressure as it is. It's just another thing added on to things they need to look out for. And it's quite subjective as well. So, yeah, I think it was a foul by game. But I don't care, we won. So, <laughs> fine. And there was another decision in the game anyway. So Which we'll get to. But, um, yeah, I agree with you, but I think it was a foul by Kane on Alana. Robin Sims, penalty, foul. Oh, I think I think the footage is a damn thing because he he knows exactly he looks m- numerous times at Alana, but like I don't have a problem. I don't even think Kane has gone down easily because at the end of the day, if someone jumps on top of you, you're gonna go, you're gonna fall. Like, I've got no issue with that, and I don't even have an issue with Harry Kane trying it. The problem is when you want them to see. Well, common sense here says on the on the VR footage, ooh. Is that a pen? Because he looked numerous times. What's Alana meant to do? I'll never know. Because 
he's done everything right, Adam Latner. My main issue is after the game, why aren't why aren't people calling up that? Yeah. Because there's, there's barely any talk. I watched an interview on with Harry Kane where they asked him about it, and he's yeah. he's mumbling his way through an answer. And I know he mumbles anyway, but he's mumbling his way through an answer. He can't he can't believe it himself. And he doesn't know what to say because there is no justifying it because he knows himself. Well, yeah, I have bought it. Yeah. But my issue is, call him out on it. Yeah. Or if you're not calling him out, don't call other people out on it. Because if I see, if Aubameyang does that next weekend, I can guarantee you something gets said. Yeah. I, say, um, I don't blame Kane. Sorry, I, I don't blame Kane for doing it, like you said. No. But I, I've, I watched a bit of the interview as well and he does look really awkward. It's like he's like a politician. He knows he can't say what he thinks, but he's got to say something else. Because if he turns around and goes, oh yeah, I did well to win that pen, then every time he does it then, he's never going to win it. So no, The problem, like you both just said there, it's not with the player doing it. Even, not diving to points, that's wrong, but that thing of that clever play, that line there where you're anticipating contact or going down easy, mm-hmm. you can try it. It's up to the refs and VAR yeah. to get it right. And that's what it's there for. And at the moment, they're getting it wrong. Well, it seems a lot more than they are getting it right, and that's something that does need to change. You can occasionally get those wrong because it's difficult to see. You know, for example, if Kane doesn't take a second look at yeah. Lallana, you could easily make the case that Lallana has lost control in the air, and he doesn't know that the play is there, and then he barges into the attacker, and then it's a pen. The problem with that footage is you see him look numerous <laughs> times. Lalanne hasn't got a clue he's there because, quite frankly, he wasn't there. Yeah. And the issue isn't with Kane so much because Harry Kane has done what any striker should be doing. Mm. The issue is how it's then presented afterwards. I mean, that's not that's nowhere near the worst thing Harry Kane did that game. Nowhere near. Uh, which we'll go on to next. You said about Luke Ayling's dive. Um, I assume you're, this is what you're referring to, Sims? It is. The... Played not long after, I think Son went down easy, pen not given, and then Kane just a blatant dive. Which I'll be honest, I didn't watch him, um, but then I watched our match today, but I only watched that today. And I've gone from the game to today, which is Tuesday, not hearing anything about Kane's dive. Me watching our match today was the first time I'd heard there's been nothing I read on Twitter in the match reports. No one's mentioned it, which again fits golden boy status, goes under the radar. But it's such a blatant dive, and why is not being picked up now, retrospectively, to go, you dived, you cheated? Did they discuss it a match of the day at all? Match of the day no. Team, not at they, all? Not, they, they discussed the, the one that was given, didn't discuss the actual dive at all. <laughs> they, they showed it once, like in the match highlights itself, like in the piece. Yeah. Um, and that was it. That's all it was. So, uh, as a Tottenham fan, it, it is like you know, I don't like diving the best times, but he, he does it a lot where he looks for the foul. And it, the thing gives away oh, from right, his we're, legs. We're Liverpool fans, we've seen him yeah. do against us. If, if you watch him do it, his legs are always together and they're always straight, which I'm like, I've seen it so many times now. I'm going, well, that can't be a coincidence. Like, he's, he's 100% doing that on purpose to obviously try and win a foul. And I'm not being funny. The guy's six foot plus. He's a, he's a, not a small bloke, and the way he's throwing himself around is like he's some child or something. But uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's something you know. It's hard for me because obviously, yeah. 
he's a world class player. That is it's, the it's, worst it part. It leaves a bad taste in my mouth because if he wins a penalty off, you're like, oh well, I want us to win so bad, but I don't really want to see him doing that. Um, so yeah, I'll leave but, it. I'll leave it at that. I'm only laughing because I honestly thought for a sec you were going to say. I just feel like sometimes he's like he just dives over just to avoid contact. <laughs> no, 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 no. He that's the worst thing. He he is not he's not a stupid football player. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's an intelligent guy in the pitch. He, I'm not being funny. He, if he wasn't doing it half the time, I'd be saying, "Oh, come on, just try and go over a bit. Get it, get us a pen. We're losing. Come on." But yeah, it's a tough one for me. And I, but again, I think that's that's the point. It's not because I know like, I, 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 we especially come across it. And I'm not a massive Harry Kane fan, but he's an unbelievable player. But it's not. This isn't like a Kane Vanetta. It's just we're using him as example this weekend because it, it fits, isn't it? But yeah, my yeah, problem is so much. Salah, after Salah, we said, "Oh, watch Kane do this tomorrow." Yeah. <laughs> my problem is so much with the dive because, like you said, all players will do it, especially when desperation comes in, mm-hmm. and you thought, "Oh God, you think if I go down here, there is a chance to give it." The problem is, it's not my problems with the medium or anything. It's the coverage that we have after it. And like, it's the sinister at all. That's what I don't like. This is the one. Like, this is what really bothered me this week. Now, it's the tone of it. Because yeah. There's one thing to be saying, oh, you know, he's gone down easily there. But then when we're going in towards, oh, I don't want to see that in the game, as if West Ham are bringing anything to the game. The West Ham way, <laughs> whatever that is. Do you know what I mean? David Moy, don't want to be seeing that game. I don't really want to be seeing six with six players all over the pitch, pal. There we are. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Let's not make out now as if it's a blight on the game being brought into England. Yeah, agreed. I do think you would see less of that, though, if you had a refresh of pundits, if you had a younger batch of players who've actually played that type of game. Because those players have obviously never done that because that was you know, their culture at the time. But, you know, yeah, it's the same with the June, knows, isn't it? Half the June knows I've been doing yeah, it. That's true as well, yeah. Isn't it? So it's yeah. It's time after they get a massive fresh up, boys, I'm telling you. Know. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, it's just a reiterate. It's not Kane Vendetta at all. <laughs> he steals. No, I'm a top of the stealing penalties. That's all I was saying. <laughs> um. So that was another thing Graham Scott could have done better, apart from that. But do you think he had a good game? Honestly, I, I'm, honestly, I haven't been this angry towards a ref in a long time, I'll be honest, in any sport. I'll let it's, you talk about the... The problem is, right, because you talk so. about... Yeah, oh, good finish by the lad. I think we all love, <laughs> love Lampety. He just looks like just a great guy and a fun guy. But it's the same with the, the West Ham-Liverpool game, where it didn't cost the team that expected to win the game but yet it doesn't really get talked about as much it's the same one a few weeks ago when Dorothy gave away that penalty away at Southampton we were 5-1 up and yeah we kind of you know the game was done but it wasn't really talked about that much I know it was a handball so it might be a little bit different but it wasn't talked about that much but this one uh, this is not a VAR issue this is not a refereeing issue this is just Graham Scott is not good enough to be a referee in the Premier League I'm sorry if he is not, if he's refereeing next week, or whenever the next week is, there is something seriously flawed with the way referees are run in this country. Because how we can go over to that monitor, and same as the saying earlier, they only get one view. He actually had two views, so he's got no bloody excuse. He had both views from side on, and it's the most blatant foul I've seen 
So just to clarify, Solly March on Hoiberg yeah. in the build-up to Lampley's goal. His only defence is, oh, he nicked a little bit of the ball. All right, fair enough. I can accept that. If this was 2000 or 2001, mm-hmm. but this is 2020, that is a foul and a yellow card every single day of the week. And yeah. I really don't understand... I, I don't understand why he hasn't given it. Is it just his ego? He just doesn't want to be seen as he's made a mistake because he's this Premier League referee. Was, uh, I don't he know. Was, it, yeah, he was I so obsessed. <laughs> he was so obsessed watching the VAR replay in slow mo just to see if he had a nick on the ball. Yeah. That he didn't actually look at what um, Solly March did after that nick, which yeah. was completely wipe out Toyberg, which, yeah. like I say, foul, yellow card. It's a simple decision. It is. Yeah. So he, it was fairly simple decision live. Yeah, I mean, and, and to watch in slow mo to get that wrong is um, all the reaction around as well. All the pundits saying, "Yeah, hundred percent foul." Even the, the interview was asking like Jose Mourinho, going, "You could tell in their tone the way they were asking questions." Yeah, oh, do you, you know, do you think that was a foul or you know why didn't he give it this sort of thing? So, yeah, fair play to Jose because if I was me, oh, <laughs> I, I probably would have fined two weeks' wages or something. But yeah, I don't know. He, he needs to go down to the championship. If he doesn't, it's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Two oh. things, but number one is you're completely right to the referees. The reason he, and I can I can tell you now we'll be ref next week because the reason I can tell you what is if you think back to the Liverpool Everton game, the bloke yeah. who's in charge of VAR there was it Coots, some David Coots, refed on the Monday night the Leeds game, yeah. and he had not only one thinking decision, he had two thinking decisions in that game. And then he even he wrecked that weekend. So mm-hmm. they just they just don't care about that. There's no and hope. Second of all, this is the text I sent you about the Spurs goal. I said to you that it was a shocker. Then I said, Burke, you asked me, um, was it was it bad? Was it a clear and obvious decision there that should yeah. have been um, overturned? And I said, yeah. My words to you were, but I'd say it's up there with Pickford call in terms of a shocker. And I yeah, start yeah. It is, as Bud said, a yellow card offence. Spurs are on the break. He gets a tiniest nick on the ball. And the big giveaway that he doesn't touch the ball that much is the direction the ball goes into. Because <laughs> it can only go that way if it's off Hoiberg's foot last. I just cannot understand how you get it that badly wrong. And once again, they're fortunate the Spurs bailed them out by winning yes, the game. Exactly. Yeah. Because otherwise, you'd have a lot. That would be dominating the back pages for the whole week. Oh, could you imagine Jose after the game, especially the week we've had? You know, we lost yeah. in Antwerp. You know, imagine Zinster. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, like it, it just would have added to the home, the way the home games have gone this season. It right? would have been him sitting on his living room bed. <laughs> yeah. It would have been a him with a black wall and just going, "That's my old friend" or something like that. Just <laughs> Another problem we've discussed though previously is let's say he does get relegated to the championship, the pool of refs outside maybe two or three, and that's being kind. There's no one, so you're just you're replacing him with another guy who's capable of making the exact I same think, errors. I agree with that, but at least some give someone a go because you never know. You know, they might come up in the championship and. And they might do well. Who knows? They, they deserve a chance. Yeah. I'm being funny. Burke, if you do that, well, I would say you, but you're a DVLA, so who knows, innit? But <laughs> if, if, if you do a bad job in work, 
there has to be some kind of repercussion. Otherwise, you will continue to do the bad job. Yeah. Yeah, I better not speak on that. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing Sorry. is, it has to be in it. It's like Butts now with his job. If Butts doesn't hit this target, well, obviously, he will be, yeah. he'll either be demoted to make room for someone. It's not, I, I completely agree with saying there isn't the quality to come up. But sometimes it's not even about the people who come in, it's about the fact that, well, that's been dealt with because, yes, it was, an, it was a serious mistake. So we've taken him out and we've given someone else a chance because that someone else probably can't be worse than what they, we've just had. Yeah. And I think that's what frustrates football fans is there's clearly no accountability. Yeah. You come out on a Monday morning on that ref watch, like you were saying earlier, but, and you'll have like Dermot Gallagher telling you, oh, yeah, that was probably a red. What's the guy on BT Sports name? Pete Walton, is it? Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I've ever seen him disagree. And, and then <laughs> what he does then, it's almost like he checks with the midway through a game. So they tell you straight away, oh, no, I think I think that's, um, that's definitely a pen. And then, you, like 20 minutes later, they go back to him and he'll give you the reasons why he was in the pen. Yeah, the most useless addition to, um, I think, any sports channel is the going to the referee. Yeah. Said it since the first time it's come in. Even like, um, I think it was on BT, Liverpool Everton. I think he even sat on the fence for the yeah, first part on Pickford. And then yeah. eventually, I think he was told, look, if you want to keep this job, you need an opinion. Sort of clear your mortgage. Uh, so they have to film on there. And then yeah. you said, I better actually sit there. I'm not sitting this one. I will say, though, this is probably the best thing that VAR has introduced is to show how bad the standard is. Like Sim says all the time, Mike Love is probably the only decent one left out of the bunch, maybe Mike Dean. I, I don't mind it Mike. It just shows that something needs to be done. It's like the big picture job. Nobody agrees with it. We don't agree with VAR at the moment and the way it's been done. But at least it's showing that whoever's in charge of the refs, they need to change the way they do things because it clearly is not working. I I'll go on a rant, so I'm not going to say that. <laughs> Um, I got one last thing to say about VR, but Rob has actually covered this one. Is It was from the Leicester Leeds game yesterday, the followed by click on Madsen, 91st minute. The ref missed it. It was clear foul. VR looked there for two minutes, told Mariner to go check the VR um, the screen, and you could actually tell Mariner did not want that news, because I don't know if you saw him walking <laughs> over, blowing red face. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was gone. He, he ran over, well, he started to run over, then walked because he couldn't run anymore. And I, I've been there. Um, but yeah, he went check it. He looked at the two replays. That was it. Yeah. And then turned and gone, yeah, that's that's a pen. Like, it's gone from not checking the monitor at all to now overkill. And now they're checking the monitor for any major decision, it seems. Yeah. They, they just can't get it right. No, that's all I say is, I go back to this accountability. Now, there's not many things that football can learn from rugby. But the main thing is, as soon as you're in the NFL, as fans, you just want to know what's going on. And you want to have an idea, right, how have they come to that decision now? Like, what have they seen differently for them to think that isn't a red card or that is a pen or isn't a pen? So even if they just had a button which just turned the mic on so that when they're talking to each other, yeah. they know what's going on. So at least, even if you disagree with it, they have to prove that there is a reason why they've gone with that. Because sometimes it generally looks as if they're just standing there watching it, thinking, I'm giving it whatever. 
Whatever I see, you know. For example, the Spurs won the second, uh, the Brighton goal. Like mm-hmm. you said, West. I think he went there already. No way he's going to give it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, well, yeah. if you have to justify it by talking, and it's not that you're asking refs to justify and completely com- to always have to explain themselves, because really it should just be the process that they do anyway. Yeah. It's just that we hear it for a change. Yeah. But what I will say, and if anyone, if anyone's listening. Go back and watch Burke, you know exactly what I'm thinking, the Spurs-Liverpool game. And I think John Moss is ref in that one. He was, yeah. The one you spoke earlier with the Eric Lamella penalty in the last minute. And then for that game, they picked up the ref on the line, no talking. Mm. And honestly, that is the reason. If everyone would to know why they don't show you what they It's talk. like a sketch show scene, really, isn't it? <laughs> it like <laughs> one's answering questions and the other one's asking a totally different question. It, yeah, it's and literally, the final words John Moss says, they, they haven't come to any conclusion. He just goes, I'm giving it. And he yeah. walks off and gives the pen. The Lino's in his face shouting. First of all, Lino's calling Lovren Louvren, which is already used <laughs> 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 out about the whole thing. But then he's going, like, Has Louvren touched the ball? Because then that negates the whole offside thing. And John Moss isn't giving a clear answer to... It's a simple yes or no question. John Moss can't answer it. And he's going, I just need to know, has Louvren touched the ball? And then, like Sim says, John Moss goes, oh, I'm giving it. And just walks off. <laughs> I, I thought it was great uh, officiating in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me as a Spurs fan. But you, know? but you just you come to that, you see that, and you just think, oh, my word. Like, there's no wonder they're not... Let, there's no wonder they're not, like, you know, putting the curtains back and letting us see it. Because if that's what it's like, that's, if that's what it's like, yeah, it's a laughing stock. Agreed. Yeah, that that is part because in rugby there are some. There's three or four, maybe four or five top you know referees who, on their day, are most like ten times out of ten are pretty spot on. Yeah. There's football referees, even in, not even in this country, in other countries when you watch the Champions League. Is there any standard referees? Not really. And more than that, it's just you know why they've come to it. You might not. Dis- you might disagree with it. But at yeah. least there's a rationale, right? You think, well, that is how they've come to that conclusion. Yeah. You, you generally would just think they're guessing some of these decisions. Yeah, I agree. Totally agree. Um, you'd never guess that all of our teams won on the weekend, by the way, that first half. <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh, honestly, Bert, you know, Spurs won. First home win of the season. I should, be, I should be chuffed to bits. But that one decision has annoyed me so much, along same, with other things. Same, yeah. the Yorta dislocal. Oh. Annoys me just because we said it. We've got the refs are getting away with it. it defies logic sometimes. Obviously, I want Liverpool to win, but I don't want the refs to get out of jail either. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. that's just accountability. Um, Man U had a pen. Um, well, Man U gave away a pen in the one 0 lost to Arsenal. Pogba. I think we can all actually agree the ref got that one right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I don't know if there's any debate around this. To be honest with you, I, I, can I just say as well. I'm all in on Ollie getting sacked sometime soon because I saw a quote today saying, "Oh, Pogba gave away the penalty because he his fitness isn't up to scratch." I'm like, <laughs> I'm sorry, did the head coach just say that about one of his players? Well, <laughs> why are you that. playing him? Why yeah, you playing well, him in a big game at home against Arsenal? I'm Don't not, play the block. Not That's just your play fault. him. Play him in attacking midfield. Him. He put yeah. him in a position where oh. against Arsenal's back five, but like with the wing backs, you know he's doing a lot of running. So if you got a player that's not fit, you're ask, you're making that area of your team a liability. And how is your ninety million pound World Cup winning star midfielder not fit? 
<laughs> because yeah. not only do you look at the club for that, but that is a personal, that's a personal thing. Like, for Pogba now, we are now in November. There is no reason why you shouldn't be match fit. And that's your personal thing. You make sure you are match fit. Yeah. Yeah. Out, out of those two teams, uh, we had this conversation about Man U and Chelsea last week. Same question for Man U and Arsenal. Which of those teams would you say are in a better place right now? Who would you rather support? Oh, Arsenal, easy. I, I, I by by far, I like. Do you know what? when you were talking about Pogba? It, it kind of gave me a bit of a flashback moment a couple of weeks back in one of our dry runs when we were discussing Eric Dyer, and it's like, what is he? And I feel like that conversation yeah. could come up about Paul true. Pogba. Oh my gosh, it is winding me up. That's where they're caught and Gary Neville. Yeah. Uh, no, it's I, just. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think I'd be as strong with Arsenal because I think I don't. Know, it might have been Sims who said that his records as bad as Unai Emery's at this stage, but. You can kind of see what he's trying to do, but again, if there were fans at home, I know this was away, but in general, if they were home, would they accept playing three, five at the back and not really attacking? Uh, I don't. I, Arsenal I, played all right, didn't they? But if if Manu would any wits, I'm not. I'll be honest. I'm, go on. The question, the question I asked last week, actually, uh, I just remembered it was: if your manager and both those teams approach you, who are you going to? For me, I'm going United. I think there's a better squad there, better players to work with. But oh, no, sorry, I'm just saying, the only way is up as well, work, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. You you can say, you don't need to tell me to say that. <laughs> no, no, I'm, no, I'm just thinking, I'm yeah. just like, that, that is the thing, isn't it? If you're a manager, you look at it, you go, well, the only way is up for them. But in terms of just a better club to go to, well, to be honest, most clubs are better than Man U at the moment because at least of the direction with Arsenal. Yeah. They might yeah. be boring to watch this, but at least they're going somewhere. I mean, yeah. I don't even know what man you are. Like, where are they going? What do they want to be? How do they want to play? For two years into Solskjaer now, there's not, you can't, he can't be saying, you know, oh, I've, I've got injuries, or there should be some kind of identity coming through now. Yeah, yeah. still doesn't know his best system. I think he's changed it three, four times already this season. Yeah. There's a lot of problems there. But I think a new manager... Coming into that squad, maybe even Poch. Yeah, a lot, I just suppose it. I suppose Manu needs a very because of the the whole thing with the owners and who was running the club. They would need someone who's got a really like stubborn uh, philosophy and how they want to do things, how they want to run a club, how they want to uh, pick their team. Because Ollie just seems like he's a bit of a yes man. You know, he's after the players, after the board, trying to keep everyone happy. And sometimes you've got to bin off some of the players. Like your Pogba's, like half, well, most of the team, to be honest. Yeah. And then, they, you know, have a go on the board as well. They could easily get a lovely fee for Pogba. And, oh, yeah. it, and it's not it's not a step back for them. It really no. isn't right now. No. Generally, like four what years and we've seen... Man, you would want to recoup, but... I would only want a massive loss, so I'd probably I say think, around 60 to yeah, 60 million, million is the minimum, there. I think. Yeah. And that's too much. Given no, I, I, I can see a UV or Real or even yeah. PSG paying it. Yeah. Happily. Cut your losses. The profile, strike. for some reason, profile is more important than talent. And the same he's a World Cup winner, so that's at least 20 million there. So add that and whatever you think he's worth. Yeah. yeah they're just the best, to be honest. 
what about the other dugout, Arteta, real deal or? Because they have this debate on, um, well, Tim Cale and Roy Keane had a big debate about, well, basically what we've just discussed, but also about Arteta. Well, Roy Keane, he bare read Tim Cale. <laughs> I, I thoroughly enjoyed that segment. Uh, I, I think there's, like, obviously, like, Arsenal are going in the better direction. Um, you know, nice string of results, maybe. It does seem like there's team cohesion there. El Nenny. Uh, was fantastic against Manu. Uh, like, that's so far that game's fallen. Yeah. I think when, I, when, I read on Twitter. When do you get to Yeah, Keane versus Vieira to now El Nenny versus Fred. Yeah. That's what we're working with. Yeah, to be honest, with Arteta, I think he, I wouldn't say they're going in the right direction. I think he's just, they've just levelled out. They've just kind of steadied the ship. And I think he's still trying to work out who he's going to keep and who he's going to get rid of. Because really, if you look at their players, you're like, it's right. The only one who really excites me is Thomas Partey. I think he, he was class against Manu, to be fair. Paul Merson uh, called him the sign of the summer. Uh, uh, I don't but know. But I, I think they get top six. Had one game, but... And that's that's the right direction. I mean, take yeah. it from last season. But, that, you know. I think Arsenal fans are going to be realistic of what. what yeah, they, they only they just lost to Leicester last week. Exactly. So. Yeah. Hot takes. Hot takes yeah. left, right, and centre. Yeah. Um, so moving forward to the two undoubted best teams in the league. Sorry, buts. Man City versus Liverpool playing next weekend on Sunday. If Liverpool win, they go eight points clear. Um, predictions, first of all. We'll go back to our favoured segment predictions. <laughs> I'm going to go so. awful game, nil nil, one all. Absolutely terrible game of football. Anti-climax. Anti-climax, yeah. Um, Man City at home. Man City at home, sorry. I will take it. Yeah. Um, we're talking about hot takes. I mean, I'm still bugged after a 5-0 win away in Europe, so... Yeah. I mean, I might just say, oh, 4-0 Liverpool, but... <laughs> I, think, I think... I think it'll be a tough game. And I think if you offered Liverpool a draw now, I think they'll take it. Yeah, I, I also think I think the the pressure is actually on Man City because I think everyone expected Man City to hit the ground running straight away after the way this last season went, and to and I mean they haven't even started that badly, but they're, they're not playing well and they're not they're quite boring to watch now, which is mm. unlike Man City. So I'd say Man City could do with a big performance, and if Man City were to lose and to go eight points behind. Already, that feels like a lot of points. Yeah. And also, it's what will happen to the rest of the league, seeing Liverpool go to Man City and winning. All of a sudden, you think, a lot of teams are going to be looking at Liverpool going, oh, well, let's just rock up to Anfield, take out 2-0 loss and go home. Forget about it. it. It just feels like a massive game in terms of maybe not so much the three points on offer, but what happens after that. Two hours ago, I was thinking of what question to ask about that game, and I was going to go with Will Jurgen Klopp stick to his tried and trusted Bobby Firmino up top, or try something new with Yota, and then Yota turned up at Atlanta and scored a hat trick. Um, so I think Yota's got to start. Do you agree with that? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Firmino, Don't know if he will. Yeah. Uh, I agree. He should. He should, and I think, uh, yeah. It's, 
Depends what Klopp wants, though, isn't it? If he wants, like Sim said, I think if you offer Liverpool a draw now, they might take it because they'll go, okay, these are nearest rivals. You know, let's not let's go there, not lose. And then hopefully Virgil, I don't know, Virgil probably won't be back with you, but you never know. For me, but, just got good draco against Man City, actually. Yeah, just you know, take your point. But it's, it's a tough one because then if you go, then win, like Sim says, it does put out a statement. But yeah. I, I I couldn't agree more with Sims. They played Sheffield United the other day. I think that's three watched it, didn't we? And it was so boring to watch. They, mm. they, they, they just haven't played. I can't think of one game they've played well this season, really. Yeah. And like Simon said, they've done quite well. But they are due, due a performance. So I'd probably go like a 2 1 Man City. I think it'd actually be quite a good game. I think the Van Dyke injury and Fabinho missing, it means Liverpool can't just turn up and think we'll try and get a draw because they're not good enough. I mean, yeah. You know, they, they they can't turn up but after um at the Etihad and think we'll sit deep and we'll try break on them and we'll nick a one nil uh, we'll nick a one all or one nil maybe. They're not good enough. Liverpool the only thing there and they have to score. Yeah, the only thing with that though is Man City are also without a striker for that game. Jesus looks like he's gonna miss it and Aguero is out. Jesus is back tonight. He scored. Oh, did he? Scored, oh, yeah. then I stand corrected. And that's great for my fantasy football team, actually. So. <laughs> that's good. That's good. But, you know, uh, even without the striker, I mean, they play Sterling into the middle or they play Torres and Sterling on the left. That's still enough talent. Yeah. This Liverpool team. Mobility. You know, fair. I mean, yeah, they've done all right. But, we, you know, we can't get too excited at the end of the day. Like tonight now, the Liverpool game, it was done by half-time. So it was pretty easy for this back four. But <clears throat> what I would say... I think the pressure is on Man City, but I certainly wouldn't rule them out now. And I think Liverpool have got to go then. They've got to try and play. And the thing with starting Jota is you can you can almost forget the hat trick. The goals were incredible, brilliant. But it's how quick we looked on the ball with him there. That's what's been missing because with Firmino, it's been so ponderous and so slow. And I mean, I'm one of his biggest fans, but it's just it's just not on at the moment. It's just not happening. He just looks like a guy who's just bereft of confidence. And you just think, you've got to start off. I mean, what message would it send if you didn't start off to know? Yeah. No, I agree. That front three tonight looked... Um, they haven't looked like that for a while, like as as a unit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. No, they were brilliant. The one key I'd say to the game, and, and he's this good, is if Thiago plays to Liverpool, mm. I would make Liverpool favourites. Yeah. And I think he's that good that he hasn't played for like three weeks and he would still come in and start. Yeah, definitely. We, we saw what he did when he played against Chelsea and he signed two days previously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then Everton, his first start for the club. Brilliant that day. I think as soon as he's back, 100% playing week in, week out. The inconsistencies you see in Liverpool at the moment fade away. But my only worry is, the likelihood is he doesn't. So who starts? in the midfield with Henderson and Ronaldo because I don't particularly want to see James Milner but then that only leaves Naby Keita and then I don't yeah. particularly want to see because I don't think Keita is anywhere near ready for that kind of game I, I see it being Milner if Jones away that'll be, that'll be a call that'll be bold very bold for me I, no I, I think <laughs> I think Klopp, Klopp, Klopp tends to go Conservative, I think he goes middle there because he trusts them. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, so moving on now to the draft, there our talking points covered. 
Um, but do you want to remind us what the draft is for first and give us our trivia question? Yeah, let me just get it up. So this week's draft is players who are not known as great players, but you've always had a soft spot for them. Okay. I've got my trivia question. OK, so it is about Syria. I believe that you all know I love, my country that I love. Don't know if I've ever mentioned it, I went to AC Milan. So I didn't know that. No. Funny enough, I watched them against Atlanta and it was a nice. boring nil-nil draw. So there we are. <laughs> Textbook Syria. Uh, yeah, right. So my question is, simple enough. We can decide who goes first, second and third now. Um, can you tell me which club clubs have been in Syria the most? So how many seasons have they been in there since its conception back in whenever it was? So which clubs have been in Syria the most? We'll go with Rob because he's the biggest picture on my screen. You can go first. Uh, I'll go with the capital of Italy and I'll go with Roma. OK. Let me go, we'll go Sims. Uh, I'll go the other team in Rome, Lazio. OK. And Nathaniel? I was so hoping Rob would go Juve or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll go AC Milan. Team, exactly. Thank you for mentioning them. Okay, so we got Roma, AC Milan, and Lazio. Yeah. So I can confirm that Rob is in first place. Roma have been in 88 seasons. So Rob's first. Next then is AC Milan on 87 seasons. And then Lazio come in at 78 seasons. So does anyone want to guess who's top? Um, Sampdoria. Napoli. No, it's a pretty obvious one. Inter. Inter Milan. They've been in 89 seasons and Juventus have had 88. So if they didn't do all that dodgy stuff, they could be oh, I Yeah, I thought, I thought the question was like consecutive. Oh, sorry. Years, no, it's fine. Which is why I was hoping Rob would go UV. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. I so thought you wanted Rob to go Juve because he said the capital of Italy. I was half expecting that as well, to be honest. I know my capitals. No. Uh, so I think it's Rob, me, Sims, Sims, me, and then reverse. Cool. Right then. Well, let's start this sandwich hmm. with. So I mentioned uh, on the podcast two weeks ago, well, I'm a lover of uh, FIFA and Ultimate Team, and this guy. Forward, winger, a unit. Okay, absolute unit. He's six foot four, six five, maybe. Big boy. He's won the Champions League, but he wasn't really starting for the team where he won the Champions League. He has played for two uh, Prem clubs. Got a bit of a reputation of being a bit of a bad boy. Well, his country gave him the nickname the bad boy of Austrian football. Big, big lad, bit of a temper on him, but uh, like he's like, I'd like him in a team about five years ago, maybe even two years ago when he was tearing around for West Ham. But Marko Nautovic, welcome to the list, lad. Is Marko Nautovic 6'4, 6'5? Yes, he is massive. Yes. I thought he was like 6'1, 6'2, maybe. 
Six no. five seems huge. I heard the story with him where um do you know that Inter Milan treble winning season with Mourinho? Mm. So he barely played the game. And I mean literally barely. He plays him like eighty odd minutes. And in the celebration when they did the open top bus and stuff, he nicked the mic in front of all the fans and he was leading all the chants. And he was the main man and he barely kicked the ball. And apparently Mourinho made a comment to him when he was leaving about the fact that he was quite quite happy. And an outfit basically told him where to go, saying that he'll never get to this point again, so why not enjoy it? I love an ego. Couldn't agree with him more. And is it through FIFA you have your soft spot for him, Rob? Uh, through FIFA, but also uh, when he was in the draft a couple of years ago, he was uh, a nice little striker. <laughs> oh, come on now. He, he could have been a lovely, he, well, no, he was a lovely little striker to have. Couple of, he had a good season, didn't he? Didn't he go to China in January or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that six month spell, he did, it weren't great for him. But the, mm. Full season before, I think he yeah. was on top form for that. We won't talk about his Stoke period. I mean, <laughs> nobody has a good period of Stoke. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so I believe I'm next. The guy I've picked has played 575 career games, 49 international caps, scored a screamer at a World Cup. You'd argue it's a bit harsh to have him on a list of players who aren't that great. But you are soft soft four. But my do you, do you have any guesses on who my guy is based on those clues? I mean I, I hope it's different with Shabalala again. <laughs> I think it's an Argentinian who plays Liverpool. It's not. No, it's an oh. Irishman who played for Ipswich. It's Matt Holland. <laughs> <laughs> it fits so perfectly. Um, wow. <laughs> um, for a moment, so yeah. I thought you were gonna say Matt Bishop for a second. <laughs> I saw him on Facebook years and thought that one. No, I've got Matt Holland. Um, you boys know I've got the DVD of the 2002 World Cup, which I watch. It feels like weekly. When seeing that, uh, yeah, seeing that Irish teams run and that Matt Holland, I think he's got two goals at World Cup. Um, yeah, I loved him when I started watching football regularly. That Charlton team he was in, lovely team to watch with Curbs Cans in charge, unleashing him from midfield. Uh, I always liked his energy, the box to box, and for some reason I've always had a soft spot for him. And then two, three years ago, he read out a tweet of mine on TalkSport to cement that place in my heart. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Matt Holland uh, in at number two on bang average players that I have a soft spot for. Appreciate that. Sense. I do. Right, well, in fact, I actually do think mine is a little harsh on this player because I wouldn't say he's bang average. But what I would say is... <clears throat> His career was pretty stunted, maybe, and didn't quite take off as much as it should have. Um, now, the reason, the main reason I can put him on this list, because in my opinion, anyone who's ever had an England B cap does not deserve to be relevant. And this player has had an England B cap, so therefore he is not relevant. However, he did actually earn eight caps for England, despite never scoring a goal for them, and never looking like scoring a goal for them, despite being a striker. But he's also the only English player to have ever won the European Golden Shoe. No. Mm. No. It says a lot that this player scored 30 goals and won the Golden Shoe. Now, I think 30 goals these days doesn't even get you in the top 10 of the Golden Shoe. 
which shows how far goal scorers has come on since the 1999-2000 season. However, in that 1999-2000 season, Kevin Phillips was a goal machine <laughs> at Sunderland. And I mean, you know, lovely little celebration. He was an out-and-out finisher. He had the classic big man-little man relationship with Niall Quinn. Went on to Southampton, didn't do too great. Played for numerous Premier League clubs. Never lifted up anywhere else. But Kevin Phillips, that one season was peak Ronaldo, 2002, stupid Eckert, winning a World Cup. And for that reason, I've selected Kevin Phillips. I think that's a great pick, actually. Lovely, yeah. I, I love a player who plays into his 40s as well. Yeah. Like, that does hold something for me. And he's got a killer CV trophy. And he always thought, oh, he could come on and have a yeah. <laughs> yeah, he never did. But no. he always thought he could. <laughs> the quality of my second pick is going to upset you a lot, then, if that's the standard. Goodness <laughs> me. I'll take the blame. I'll take the blame. Right. So I've now got back-to-back picks. Okay. So... My two picks are going to be along a theme, and the theme is 2008. Now, in 2008, don't listen to the rumours that Leeds James might tell you. I did not support Man United at the time. <laughs> that was the year that I actually started watching football, and that is the year, rightly or wrongly, I decided to start sporting Tottenham Hotspur. Now, so 2008 is the, is the year I start remembering players. Now, everyone knows I love Premier League years. When Steve James usually says Premier League years, there are a couple of players that come to mind. And this guy comes to mind more than most. He didn't have a great career, didn't have a great Premier League career. Was one of them. He was up front, he worked hard, tried to link up the play, tried to get goals, but bless him, it just didn't, didn't happen for him. You know, he just didn't get the goals, you know? But I think the fans loved him because that worked great. He played for Middlesbrough. Two seasons. I believe he scored against Liverpool one season. Might have been 2008 in a 2-0 win. Back then, everyone did. Very true. And then he moved on to Stoke City, where he didn't do much. And then his career pitted out. But he's a guy I'll always remember for being one of those first players I saw and thought, yeah, there's something about this guy. I don't know what it is. And that player is Tunshai. <laughs> lovely, lovely player. Lovely player. Unbelievable player on football manager, by the way, back in the day. There we go. Right. For my second pick, I've got a few options here. We've got a few nice stories. But I'm not going to go for a nice story. I'm going to go for a bad story. Because <laughs> I didn't actually know, but this really should change my mind about this player. But for some reason, it makes it even more special, if you want to say that. Um, I'm going to read out a passage from this player's past. I don't know if you guys know this, but you're about to find out. So, let me find it. So, in September 2007, Ireland was at the centre of controversy when, in the immediate aftermath of Republic of Ireland international match, days before their current match against Czech Republic, coach Steve Stockton informed him on a telephone call, just received from his girlfriend reporting the death of his maternal grandmother. Stockton quickly consented to Ireland's Oh, there we go. Stephen Ireland's a player. Passionately <laughs> twice, but... <laughs> on, these, on these grounds. And a private jet was charged with him. It then turns out it wasn't his maternal grandmother. It was his paternal grandmother. And then even that wasn't true. It turns out his grandfather's second wife had died. 
So everyone's going, okay, this sounds a bit fishy. And then it turns out in an interview that none of this is bloody true. All he wanted to do was get out of island duty so he could go home to his girlfriend. And the reason he said that is because his girlfriend had a miscarriage, which again is a lie. All he wanted to do was leave island duty to go see his girlfriend, which shows he didn't really want to play for island, even though his bloody surname is island. <laughs> so, yeah, a crazy story. For That's what the it rule, is, of course, But I still love him. That Man City team back then, obviously not the stars that they have now, but still has a special place in my heart, even after all that. So Stephen Island is my second pick. In the words of Martin Keogh, that is a mezzanine of lies. (laughs) 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 Unbelievable. Right. Unbelievable. My jaw dropped when I read it. Unbelievable. That is incredible. My one, nowhere near as controversial as that. This guy is actually a is a legend for his country, but I picked him because I've always liked him. But if you ask anyone in England about him, I don't think anyone would say anything nice. Well, not nice, but anything too positive about him. Now he also, he did play he had 140 games for a solid Premier League club in the mid 2000s. He scored 33 goals. He captained them. He captained them in a time where they went from being relegation threatened team to be in a mid-table team. He wasn't a household name. He started his career in 1994 and he ended it in 2010, which shows longevity, important in the game these days. But the main reason I picked him was because I love the fact that this player has got a bar named after him in his club stadium. That is how much of a cult hero he was to them, that they named a bar after him. And the stadium is Craven Cottage, and the bar is called McBride's. Class. And my player is Brian McBride. Nice. The USA goal scorer in numerous World Cups. He got, I think he got 90-odd caps for his country. But he was crap. <laughs> I couldn't tell you what he was. He was just a bit, from what I remember, he was just a slab of a bloke. Yeah. And he was just like in a ball. Yeah. yeah. Big Sam type. Yeah, very Kevin Davis, the American Kevin Davis. Yeah, Yeah. I think that's. But the fact that in June 2009 they named the bar after him inside the stadium, I'm all for it. Well on you, Brian. I play. And one more thing, he ended up coming back to to London to live after he retired. He then signed for the football team Wembley in London, and never played a game for them. I'm all for it. Probably the, Dash. Got a that's the Terry Venables team, wasn't it? Exactly. FC. Yeah, Terry Venables, Martin Keown signed the Andre Parler. They tried to see how far they'd get in the FA Cup. Um, yeah. And I think they won like two games. Well, like rocked. against local. Hmm. He rocked up, took the stash with BMB on it, got his tracksuit, got his new jog- joggers, and went. Good on you, lad. Fair play. Typical American loves the stash. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I did like Brian McBride. That full. Yeah, I did as well. Yeah. 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 Played for Everton as well, didn't he? Can't remember who else. I think so, actually. Well, I didn't that much. Actually, oh, no. I, I, I might be mixing up with Thomas Rodzinski and Robert Fassi. And he's Canadian. And Fulham as well, wasn't it? And Robert Fassi, second pick. I do apologise, but I highly doubt <laughs> yeah. Um So I'll move forward now to my second pick. Um, growing up, 
um, learning the ways of be, being a Liverpool fan from my dad at the time. I learned that it's not all about Liverpool winning. It was also a big part about Man U losing. <laughs> and this guy, I just remember, just loved playing United. For some reason, that's something that stuck with me, is this guy caused United problems. So, researching this, I wanted to see how many problems did he cause them. And it weren't as many as my, what would have been, seven, eight-year-old brain at the time thought. Because he only scored in against them in two separate games. But one of them was a 1-0 win um, against Man U at the end of the season. And then he scored twice, uh, two goals in one game against them. It was for a Derby County team who were flirting with the relegation at the time. So they weren't a top team. So for a player at that level to cause problems to United, that stuff for me. And then I always remember on Football Manager, he seemed to be a free agent every summer and I'd always pick him up. That shows not longevity. That shows that no team wanted to keep him longer than the season. He was always there on the free agents, always there if I needed a striker. Um, so I appreciated that. Um, he's now a Jaguar salesman. So if any of you want Jaguar, call this guy up. Um, his name is Malcolm Christie. Uh, he scored in a 1-0 win that kept Derby up at the end of 2001 and then scored twice in a 2 all draw in 2002. So Malcolm Christie is in at number seven. Am I right in saying that he went to Middlesbrough then? Yeah, Middlesbrough and Leeds. And there was a centre-back, when there were two of them. They went like together. Is it Matt Tiggett or something like that? Rigget, Chris Rigget. Chris Rigget went to... Yeah, did he go there to... There were two of them. And they were I like remember Chris Rigget. Yeah, can't remember, remember if he that. transferred or came through. I don't know. I've listened to Georgie Thompson say those names a few times. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a guy who played Masters football, but that's... That's all I can picture. Well, what I can tell you is he never won the Golden Boots for Masters. But who has? Yeah. Owen Coyle has. Peter yeah, Beatsby has. So most of the names on this list would be yeah. like Matt Holland, Lindsay Dunnis, Stephen Island, Kevin Phillips. Oh, lovely. Oh, these players. Stephen Island would probably be unreal as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's move this on, Rob. Who's, yeah. who's right. To round it up, um, I'd like to apologise in advance to everyone listening, but this is an insight to my mind. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, stop listening. Well, uh, something that's very, very pleasing to the eye is showboating. Good skills. Uh, I'll ask you now, list some of the best uh, skillful players you've seen. Just like really good dribblers, lovely fancy tricks in, in the Prem. JJ Okocha. Lovely example. Eden Hazard. Lovely example. Cristiano Ronaldo. Outstanding example. But me, I'm going to pick a Liverpool player who has worn the number 11 shirt. And no, it's not Maxi Rodriguez. It's not Alberiera. It's not Bobby Firmino before you shit. It's not even Mo Salah right now. I could never be Mo Salah. But this guy, I remember we signed him from uh, a Dutch club, Heron Veen. And I went on the old YouTube. And I was like, I'm going to check his... I remember he scored a spectacular disallowed goal. You know, lovely little back heel, flicks it the other foot, past the keeper, keeper's like, what are you doing? And I was just soaked in this guy. I mean, five-star skills galore. There seems to be a trend with a lot of my draft picks that Stoke is involved because this guy did end up with Stoke. But I was mesmerised by this guy. And when Liverpool signed him, I thought, we are getting a baller. 
and I still think we should have stuck with him. <laughs> no, I don't. But Usama Asaidi to round it all up. God. I remember he scored a worldie against Chelsea for Stoke. That's my one memory of him. <laughs> He's probably the only Moroccan footballer I can think of as well. Is he Moroccan? I hope he is. Yeah. Is that right? Trapped. Zieck. Oh, yeah. Zieck, yeah, he's. Oh, no, none of them are in the... In the yeah. Oh, he would have been a great pick. Oh, oh, no. oh. They're not there yet. Not mullet. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Uh, still don't know if it's a mullet or someone just slapped him with black pick. <laughs> <laughs> Can I give it's one on the Yes, go on. There's one guy in my mind, Martin Gamp Pedersen. Oh, yeah. Lovely. It's too obvious, I thought. He was on the list. But... Yeah. He's incredible. I, I, I think he's too I good. Too. too good to make the list. That's fair. A player uh, for me, I had similar um, to Ken Phillips, actually, as a player, James Beatty. Oh, yeah. I did yeah. like James Beatty coming through. And then he has a story of Tony Pulis and him fighting naked in the Stoke dressing room. <laughs> Didn't James Beatty hold the record as well for the quickest ever goal for a while? Maybe. I don't know. Ledley King had a fridge, didn't he? Yeah, I'm sure James Beattie got the quickest ever goal. Mm. Maybe with something to look up tonight now. <laughs> I had uh, Pedro Mendes. I was really tempted to pick Dean Ashton because he was he could have had a great career, but I'll be honest. Sean Ray Phillips ruined it for him. <laughs> when Sims was explaining Ken Phillips, I thought he was saying Dean Ashton. And I also had Fabrizio Colaccini. Well, instead, yeah. I didn't realise was at Newcastle for over a decade. Yeah. Exa- the face you just made is exactly why you should be on this list. <laughs> that bad. But I had a soft spot for him. I remember when he signed, I think uh, Keegan was in charge and they signed him and Gutierrez. And yeah. they played Man U first game of the season. And typical Newcastle put up a good fight, but still lost. And mm. everyone was like saying, yeah, they lost, but these two look good. There's hope here. And then Joe Kinnear comes in. They had hair that only us could dream of, let me tell you. Where they are, I wouldn't be on this podcast right now. Um, so, uh, any other honourable mentions? Klaus Jensen, I thought of him by when the Matt Holland. He was a midfield partner, wasn't he? As soon as you said Matt Holland, my mind straight away stopped Klaus Jensen bending one in on that shocking haircut. Yeah, Charlton, I'm full of love, my then, Boomer. It's um, been a theme this list, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there was one player I really want to mention, but it was, I think it was too unfair on him. So I've made my list, my draft for next week related to this, similar a lot, uh, similar to this week's, but just mm-hmm. so I can mention this guy. So it's players you loved watching or made you fall in love with football so there's no limit on the level they play now what they've done it can be a league two player it can be as long as we've heard of him it can be fairly local level reds. it could be even clenetti reds if we know him which there's only one <laughs> not two actually two but yeah if you've loved watching the player or he's made you love football then i'll allow him to be part of the list Yep. Um, so that'll be for next week so get thinking um, and now the last segment our mystery question have you all got the mystery question set in case you are called upon I do yep Sims 
Just for the listeners, he is a teacher as well. So let's hope you don't get picked. So uh, same system as last week. I got four pieces of paper with number one to four on them, and I would names on them. Sims. Can you pick a number between one and four? Oh, it is me again. Oh, my God. <laughs> Still could be. No, only um, because if if you pick your own, then it's your fault and you can't blame anyone else. Oh. We've got Rob. Oh, oh we no way talking. Right, Theo. I'm so happy I did the prep. Right. We can get um, a question into religion and football somewhere. <laughs> Ah, there's some great, I mean, Alison Becker, Fabinho, the Liverpool lads, they love it. But my question, uh, so a little a little quick question. Who had, the, which player had the most yellow cards last season? Pretty easy question if you know me and you know my draft team last year. Luka Milovejevic. Luka Milovejevic. So I'm going to go through the top six of last season. So the standings. So we had Liverpool, Man City, United, Chelsea, Leicester, Spurs. I wanted to do the top four, but I thought let's do the top six to get Spurs involved. I appreciate that. But I'm going to go for the amount of yellow cards those teams had accumulatively over the season combined. So, so, so many yellow cards Leicester had, Spurs had, Liverpool had. And I want you to rank them in order that you think they're at. So, uh, so like a trivia question this week, is it? <laughs> it's like a trivia, but it's a rank. It's a ranking question for you. Okay. So, I'll go put Sims. Uh, get the list ready. So uh, the top six teams, yeah. Out of the top six teams, rank them in which order you think the highest burst of most yellow cards. So the top top six. Uh, Liverpool, Man City, United, Chelsea, Leicester, Spurs. Okay. A lot of lot of yellow cards, uh, but uh, the the gap between top and bottom is nearly double. I remember watching Man City and thinking they should get a lot of yellow cards, but I can't mm. seem to remember think seeing them get too many. Mm. So I'm going to suggest they're quite low. Because that's all Jose warned about was them not being street Nasty poison. Enough. Yeah, yeah. I'll give you. I'll give you a minute to kind of think just through your order, and uh, yeah. I'll list down your order. Whichever one has the best kind of order, I'll uh, I'll award points, which oh. means absolutely nothing. <laughs> Thanks. Sims, deep okay. in thought there. Yeah, Sim. Thinking back, I can't. Because there was that gap halfway through, if I had to, mm. look, I can't seem to remember Liverpool getting too many. I've got mine. I, yeah. But, so what's your order? So, highest first. So, I'm going to go United top. Okay. A lot of petulance in that team. Yeah. Uh, then I'm going to go Chelsea. They had a lot of young players who maybe would have dived in when they shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go Liverpool. Just because yep. they got some guys who would take a yellow. Uh, then I go City for similar reasons. Yeah. And then I go Leicester and then Spurs just because they don't they don't scream to me to be do not dirty teams but teams who no get problem. many yellows. Sims in your order. Uh, 
Chelsea, I guess. Then I've gone Leicester. Then I've gone United. Uh, Man City, Spurs, and then Liverpool as the least. Okay. Shock. And Burke, are you ready? Yeah. Um, so I've gone United first. Okay. Chelsea second. Liverpool yep. third. Yep. Leicester fourth. Spurs mm-hmm. fifth. And Man City sixth. Very interesting answers all round. I can confirm. So the more the club with the most last season was more Arsenal with 86 yellow cards. And second was Spurs with 82 yellow cards. God. None of you none of you ranked them at your number one slot. So what's Josie on about them? He's doing what he wants. Speaking of just nonsense, isn't he? Just stupid yellows they were taking. Maybe they were all before he arrived. (laughs) And they stopped off there. So so second then in the 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 top six. United with yeah. 73 yellow cards. Also, none of you got that right. Well, I got uh, it first. So. Birk- yeah, so. Bites, you, you ranked them in number one. They were number two. But I like, you know, was a good thought getting them high. <laughs> <laughs> so we've gone from 73 yellow cards with, with uh, United. We got a Chelsea and Man City who are equal on 60 yellow cards. So if you put them either third or fourth, I'll a low point there. Uh, from what I can see, uh, yeah. But and Sims, you get a point each. Again, that right. Thank you. Fifth, we go to Leicester City, who had forty-one yellow cards. <laughs> I mean, half the amount of Spurs. Let's just remember that. Mm. Uh, a point to Butts. For putting Leicester uh, as his Thank fifth you. pick. Burke and Sims somehow went Spurs. I mean, they are double. Get on All with right. it, boys. <laughs> and then the league champions themselves, who are the lowest of all clubs, with 38 yellow cards all season. LFC, which gives the point to Sims. Burke scored zero. The only reason I put Liverpool so high in mind because I seem to watch them um, every week and James Milner's yeah. coming on and getting get yellow every it. single yeah. week. It's because you see him all 38. But... I swear to God, I probably James Milner. For anyone <laughs> I hope they picked up on Butts' little remark to me because I knew Liverpool was right as well. <laughs> I was <laughs> <laughs> As soon as he said, I saw his face change. We have Butts and uh, Sims tied with two all. As, Ooh, a tie, tie, as a little tie, as a little tiebreaker. Uh, so we got Arsenal on eighty-six, Spurs on eighty-two. And the third team has seventy-six yellow cards. You get one guess each. Who is it? Last season. This is fun. <laughs> okay, and but your guess. Good me. Well, you're Atlas. both incorrect. Uh, Burke, Have we got another tiebreaker? <laughs> no, because I cannot be bothered. <laughs> so, so uh, I process, win. Process elimination, Burke wins. No, yes. it was Watford with 76 yellow cards. Sounds very Well played, though, gents. Well played. Sorry. 
I thoroughly enjoyed that. And that is the, the mystery question for this week. And that's the podcast for this week as well. So thank you, boys. Cheers, lads. Cheers. Lovely job, Lee. What was it you're going to that, boys?